0: any time driving up and down Beaufort Highway you've seen this beautiful butterfly symbol, right? The symbol is a symbol for migration. It usually comes with the words here to stay um, and it's become sort of a rallying image for Atlanta when it comes to immigration issues. Today we have our guest who created that image and who is helping to get it out to the people. We're really
1: excited to talk to her. Yeah, we uh, just to show how excited we've been about our guest. We've been <laughs> back and forth with her for months now just yeah. because our schedules are so busy. We've been so crazy this spring and so we're, we're so excited. We've been we would like have not given up. We're like we're gonna find a way we're gonna make it work. Yeah uh, we have on the episode today president of the Cross Keys Foundation, a teacher at Cross Keys High School. She's an artist, an advocate for the immigrant community, Yemi Cambron. Thank you so much so for being here. So good to have you Oh here. my goodness. Thank you for having me. We have been giddy ever since. <laughs> like I mean, like that. we have just been so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know life right now is pretty, sounds like it's pretty hectic for you. you got a lot going on. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Just in the intro alone, there's so much happening. Can you share with us, before we dive into like what you're doing currently, a lot of times we don't do this, but I feel like with your story, especially in how, how you've ended up where you are now, what you're doing now, I think... Um, It'd be great to hear a little bit of your background, like your backstory. Can you share a little bit of your of your life up to this point?
2: Yeah, um, I usually start by talking about um, my immigrating here with my family because that, you know, as soon as I, I crossed the border, I became undocumented. Right. At seven years old. And Um, you know when we were in Mexico we were just uh, I was born there in 1992 but we were we were in Mexico we were really poor and I just remember like the houses that we lived in and I remember um, my dad not being there most of the time and so he was always immigrating here to work and would work in the kitchens of Chinese restaurants and would return um, for a little bit would build a, a better house and then would come back so you know it kind of reminds me of the story of the three little pigs Mm. because our first house was made out of um cardboard um like coated with petroleum sort Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. um like cardboard sheets yeah and then when he came back again the next house he built was a house made out of wood and then he left again and the next time he came back it was a house made out of concrete so you know each and 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 throughout all those years you know our family was broken and we were not with, you know, my mom, even if my dad was here working, my mom had to sell tortillas by the pound mm-hmm. to, to make sure that she could feed us. And so I just, I remember how poor we were. I remember us being separated a lot of the time. And so my parents finally um, decided to uproot from, you know, the place that that they called home, mm-hmm. that we called home, and we immigrated here. I was seven. My other brother was five and my youngest was my youngest brother was three. Mm-hmm. And so um, the point was for us to be together as a family. Mm-hmm. We can you know, we came here knowing our parents would always tell us that we were going to be undocumented. Yeah, but we didn't. I mean, at, at seven years old, yeah. I had oh, no yeah. clue what that would mean. Um, yeah. And so I just sort of, you know, I as a child entering into the third grade into the public school system in DeKalb County, I learned English really quickly. Yeah. Um, by the fifth grade, I was a top student in an advanced um, reading class. And then, you know, in middle school, I i, I've, I had always just loved um, going to school because I think that was something that my parents stressed an importance of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so my teachers were always encouraging me and telling me that I would go to college and you know that I would be doing great things. And so that was a huge goal for me is yeah. obtaining a post-secondary education. Yeah. Um, and then as I started transitioning into adulthood, um, there were certain things that started happening that, that helped me realize what it actually meant to be undocumented. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things was that all my friends and my cousins were getting driver's licenses yeah. and that I couldn't yeah. get one. um i started trying to find a job at 16 and applying to different stores you know on beaufort highway in northeast plaza and i would get the job and then they would say oh um can you give us your social security number
1: Uh
2: (laughs) and they'd be like what i don't you know i i just was barely figuring out what any of that meant and i think even as 16 year olds now who do have a social security number navigating that is is challenging and so Mm -hmm. not having it was even more challenging and then when i was a sophomore i entered an art contest after reading night by ellie wiesel oh, man. and oh, man. Yeah. so just you know the the way that he's you know his testimony and just also the statements that he had been he had made re- at that time about um humanity and no no human being um being illegal right really? which really yeah. resonated with me because i was often called illegal and and mm. just a the trauma that that brought on me as a, as a teenager, you know, to yeah. be called pretty much a criminal, right? And not having committed any crimes. Yeah. And so I really connected with that. And I felt really um, passionate about, you know, remembering the Holocaust. And so I entered an art contest hosted by the Georgia Commission on the Holocaust, and I got third place. And so, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. at 16 years old, I was going to get $50, and I... Um, as a prize for my third place. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, I'm going to be rich. <laughs> and so I was invited I to quit my job. No. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't need work anymore. So I um, I was invited to a ceremony at the Georgia Capitol. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there with my mom and my my teacher, who was my mentor at Cross Keys, who's now my colleague. And I, um, you know, went through the ceremony. And then at the end, you're supposed to pick up your prize. And so I sat down and waited with my mom while my teacher went and got my $50 that I was really excited (laughs) about. And, you know, she, she returns to me empty handed and she tells me that they can't award me the $50 because I didn't have a social security number. And so that was just for me, like having gone home and worked on that piece after school every day for, for weeks and then showing up and being recognized, you know, very publicly, but then, at the very end saying you don't deserve like we we chose you because of your talent but you don't deserve to get rewarded for your work yeah was kind of like the biggest slap in the face but the biggest realization of what it meant to be undocumented in this country Mm -hmm. and what what it would possibly mean for my for my dreams of a post-secondary education yeah and so then as I became a senior and I started looking at colleges and realizing that in georgia you have to pay the state tuition um if you are undocumented despite having grown up here um that you know that you're not eligible for federal financial aid and that there's so many scholarships that are available that i qualified for except for that like citizenship or legal residency requirement and so um i really had to navigate that with the help of my teachers and find loopholes and so I applied to Agnes Scott as an international student, mm-hmm. I um, got accepted, and then I applied for the Goizueta Foundation Scholarship, which the only requirement was that you recite it in the United States, mm-hmm. um, and I made it to the next level, and I wow. interviewed in March, you know, two months from, from graduating yeah. in 2010, and then, you know, almost right before graduation, I found out that they had awarded me the scholarship, wow. which, you know, allowed me to live on campus and really just acts as this American dream, right? Because that's yeah. a dream for right scholarship, room yeah. and board at a private university on this yeah. beautiful campus. Um, and I think it was really big that I was able to stay close to my family during yeah. those years.
0: You mentioned, wow. you mentioned night as being an early thing that sort of opened up some some ideas and ideas about identity for you were there other books as you were going as you were there in college that you were reading or Mm -hmm. thinking about that sort of shaped where you were headed
2: yeah definitely I think you know right before college when I was trying to figure out you know how to get a post-secondary education with in my situation I was so focused on my fight of like I'm undocumented and Mm -hmm. what do I have to do to change these policies you know like it was just like that that was really my focus and then as i entered agnes scott and i started taking um intro to, intro to women's studies and you know classes like this that just like really opened up um my my mind and and helped me understand the systems of privilege and oppression mm-hmm. and how everything is so interconnected and how i was i read i i wish i remembered the author's name but i we read a poem in that class an intro to women's studies where um the author was describing oppression as a birdcage because Mm -hmm. it's a series of interconnected wires, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're fighting oppression with trying to take down just one bar, you know, you're never going to get out. And so I feel like that was me before, you know, when I was in high school trying to figure things out. And then realizing that, you know, my, my LGBTQ peers,
1: Mm-hmm. were
2: also in, you know in the birdcage with me yeah. and there were certain parts of people's identities that that put them in the you know in this category of like being oppressed but then also parts of us that made us privileged yeah and so really understanding that was revolutionary for me mm-hmm. because I started seeing this fight for social justice as something that has to be um, a coalition you know between people who are different from each other yeah and so that was really big for me and then I started um thinking about the civil rights movement a lot and so I started to I wanted to know everything about this country Mm -hmm. and its past and how you know because then I realized I grew up being like oh well I'm undocumented this is just the way it is you know because that's just how I heard Adults in my life speak about their status, you know, like my parents like, well, we're undocumented, we clean houses, we bust our butts. This is just how how it is. Yeah. And realizing that it was this way because of policies and because of things that had happened in the past. And there was a history to that. Mm-hmm. I was just so eager to learn. And so I. Um, I took Foundations of U.S. History and in that class and the professor was amazing mm-hmm. So in that class. We um, kind of learned about all the narratives you don't learn about that are not in yeah. the textbooks mm-hmm. when, you know, in, in like traditional, like American history courses in high school. And yeah. so I read the autobiography of um, Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. And so that that, you know, it was it's a, it was very short. And it was in this book of other autobiographies of, you know, like Native Americans and just all these other narratives that, that yeah. weren't, you know, at the forefront of U.S. history traditionally. And so I remember thinking, like, wow, you know, there's so much to learn about slave from slavery and from the civil rights movement that, like, is helping me figure out how to move forward and helping me figure out that this, what I'm going through, this... um. These policies that are, that are tearing us away from the classroom because are un- we are undocumented, they're very intentional.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're
2: not an accident, you know? And so,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, you know, there's a part where he talks about how his master's, um, so his mistress, I guess, his master's wife was teaching him how to read when he was a slave still. And then his master prohibiting her from doing that, so like taking away that education, yeah. and he talks about how it was so much harder to learn after that. But at the same time, that moment of him taking that away was a huge realization for him that education was really valuable and the power yeah. that it had. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know, I, I that's where I feel like the the idea of education as liberation became yeah. really important to me and yeah. how denying education to a group of people really keeps them you know in poverty keeps them oppressed keeps them ignorant about their situation and so um that was that was really big for me
0: and so so was that part of what ended up leading you back into the teaching profession and did you um you're currently a teacher at cross keys high school in this area uh did you attend high school there
2: yeah i graduated from cross keys so you graduated from
0: cross keys so, um was that sort of what helped bring you back or um, what was the process in getting from school and deciding, hey, I'm gonna go back to my neighborhood yeah and and keep at it there. What was that decision like for you?
2: Well, I, I'm an artist at heart and so I really wanted to teach art and that mm-hmm. was my my goal. And even in my yearbook, my Cross Keys high school yearbook from my senior year that's you know under my, Um, I, I got one of the senior awards and under what I wanted to do when I, you know, after I graduated college, it was, I want to be a high school art teacher. (laughs) And I think it was in part because my, my teachers were such a big influence for me, um, and really helped me figure it, figure it out and find, find a way. Um, and so I, you know, I had that already in my mind and then having this realization of, of how social justice is really interconnected and, um you know, so th- like building my my idea of leadership at Agnes Scott, I realized that going into the classroom, I could serve not just undocumented students, but all students, and how mm. education was really um, something important to me that played an important r- role in my life. And so I
1: yeah.
2: I graduated in 2014. I was looking at Teach for America, but at the time, um, I, they weren't p- placing DACA recipients in Atlanta and so in 2015 finally they were able to negotiate that with the districts you know make sure that we were we would be able to get certified we would be able to teach and so i joined teach for america in their fight for social justice Mm -hmm. um and then i was placed in clayton county where i taught um elementary school at a bilingual school for two years uh and then you know i i felt like it it was it, honest it was a very new community to me mm-hmm. and so i knew that in order to make a big impact i had to really invest years in learning from my kids and learning from the students that right. i was teaching to be able to serve them in the way that they deserved yeah. and so i felt like it was it, i would make a bigger impact transitioning back to to cross and or to yeah. woodward you know or just somewhere where i i already had relationships and yeah. resources that i could leverage and funnel back into the classroom and so i decided to come back to cross and it just so happened that they were looking for another electives teacher and so you know things sort of lined up with the help of teachers there yeah um for me to to come in as a third art teacher, which is yeah. you know yeah. we have a really great art program, um, mm-hmm. and so I came awesome. I came in right you know it was the election was in two thousand sixteen, and so that my that was my second year of teaching, which was kind of you know crazy for me, and yeah. then <laughs> to say the least, right. And during That's that an time, there were
0: during that time there was coverage of your story. Right. I was seeing it all over the yeah. place. Like what, uh, I forget, was it New
2: York Times? Um, I was the AJC. The AJC, okay. Uh-huh, and then that was when I, my second year of teaching, I was still teaching elementary school. Okay. And then when I transitioned to Cross Keys and um, DACA was rescinded in September 5th of 2017, Yeah. that was when USA Today put out the story about me. Okay. And, you know, being a documented teacher, one of the 20,000 in the country. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so... That's maybe that's what yeah. you saw.
0: Yeah, I I just this this um season and the way things like the even the emotional turmoil that policy is putting DACA people through, I'm like you're you're taking energy away from some of our best some of our yeah. best people in yeah. terms of community and mm-hmm. students and teachers and work yeah. you know, it's just like why uh why do we have to make this so hard for people? Yeah. Now, in yeah. your current, I mean, because things are still like we work with a lot of DACA people, and there's like this emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. um, as you're watching it, like, oh, we're not going to continue it. Oh, well, a judge stopped them from discontinuing it, and it's going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Is there some sort of like, um, for other, because we have a lot of listeners also who are in that journey. Is there some sort of way you're able to manage that um, up and down or some somewhere you find peace during that process? Because mm. you're doing a lot of work and you're under a lot of external yeah. pressures, you know. Um.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no, like, easy way to deal, obviously, to deal with this, but... yeah. I mean, I've had to try to prioritize my mental health. And so for me, it's it's meant. And even when I was in college and, you know, this is mental health is not something you talk about when you grow up in like the traditional, you know, like Mexican family like I did. And so especially when, you know, my parents didn't study past elementary school in their home countries. And so I. When I started college, the president Elizabeth Kish, who is not president anymore, um, she's transitioned. She was amazing, and she had me come into her office and was asking me how she could support me. And at the time, yeah. I was like, I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I don't. I'm yeah. trying to figure this out. I have no clue. Yeah. And so she suggested that I start seeing the counselor at Agnes Scott, and mm-hmm. and that was just life changing for me. And so mm. I, that's something that I still do. Wow. But that's i i recognize that that's also something that a lot of people don't have access to as mental yeah. health resources and yeah. so i think that was when my artwork became so important to me mm-hmm. because um as i studied art at agnes scott and i started to see my artwork as a platform for change. Yeah. And that's a way for me to like, um, to tell my story and get my frustrations yeah. out and to really express myself. What I couldn't say with words, Yeah. Um, you know, it became sort of that, that, that um, I mean, it was like, it, my artwork was like my counselor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. And so now as a teacher, especially having a lot of students that are documented or students that are undocumented, who um, don't necessarily fit the the star dreamer narrative? Yeah. Who never had the got the chance to apply for DACA, and now that it's been rescinded, you know, will never be able to do so. Yeah. Um, you know, having all those um, narratives and having all like just hearing my students' stories reminds me that um, this is not really about me, right? And I there yeah. was a a, a moment where I was like, oh, no, like, my work permit expires in February of 2019, you know. This is what's going to happen to me. What am I going to do with the car that I just bought? You know, how am I going to support my family? How am I going to make money? It took me um, a second to step out of that and realize that me losing my work permit, my ability to work, Mm -hmm. would impact my entire school community yeah right Mm -hmm. so um i would be pulled out of the classroom and i i serve 110 students about each semester yeah right a different set each semester and so what would happen with my students in february if my i applied for the renewal in april but they're still processing it and mm-hmm. it's July. Yeah. So what's, you know, if I don't get renewed, what's gonna happen with my students? Are they yeah. going to find a lot? It's going to impact yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then there's students in my classroom with DACA that are going to lose their DACA or who might not have had the money to renew. Yeah. And so it really is something that is impacting entire school communities. And so it becomes an issue about educational equity.
1: Yeah.
2: And so I think seeing it that way and realizing how much bigger it is than me yeah. has also helped me cope. Yeah, because then the things that I've organized at within my school after DACA was rescinded, the here to stay rally that my that the student organization I was leading organized, and mm-hmm. you know things that I've organized at my mural. Mm-hmm. The, you know, in front of the monarch butterfly, those things have become really important for my students Yeah. because it's given them a way to turn their fear and their frustrations into action.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Now I'm glad, I'm glad you kind of started touching on kind of what you're doing now with your art and kind of going back, you know, you talked about Frederick Douglass and that idea of education is liberation. And it's been so cool seeing like how it's, it's like your art is kind of becoming that education and being liberation. Can you tell us about some of the things you're doing now that your art has been able to to do and to compare like different um, organizations that you're working with now to yeah. help educate, to use your art as a way of educating others?
2: Yeah. So um, I think some of the things that stand out for me are um, the event that I had in front of my mural in January. Mm-hmm. So right as they were trying, they were negotiating with the budget and, trying to leverage that to make sure that the dream act was passed um so that event was when um i invited people to come out and Mm -hmm. um you know stand in front of the butterfly as if they you know the wings were theirs and with a poster that said i need the dream act now because Mm -hmm. and for them to share their reason and having that be an an excuse right like a reason for people to (laughs) show up and be a part of this and um incorporate art and have people um make phone calls to their members uh their representatives in congress for urging them to pass a dream act and so that you know i when i planned that event i was thinking okay this is a great way to bring in my artwork to be able to share uh my story and to be you know to encourage people to to get act, to getting to get engaged right mm-hmm. to to act, yeah. and so after that event, one of my students that was volunteering for me because I just had them at the table and I said, "All right, you guys are going to let the people that show up know what they what they're here for and what they need to do." So they kind of take took the lead, and I was just running around. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so <laughs> um, I that's a great feeling. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> they. I mean, honestly, to see them really like take step up and you know just watching them instruct people with like just owning it right Mm -hmm. that was amazing and then i received a text message from one of the students that was there who um is undocumented and i had been working with and is now going to um to college on a full ride because of the dream scholarship Mm -hmm. she texted me and she said you know something along the lines of like this was really important for me it helped me you know feel like it gives me hope right mm-hmm. and so just understanding that i thought this event was for the political action of it but at the end of the day it really was uh, more important because it, of what it did for my students and yeah. so um now you know as it, it really just depends i think as things come up i don't have like a specific way that i want to use my artwork or like a strategy but you know yeah. if there's a need that De- definitely so when um Immigration attorney started urging DACA recipients to renew as soon as possible for me to stand in front of my students and say, hey, you need to renew
1: yeah.
2: your DACA as soon as possible. Was ridiculous for me because I know how expensive it is. I know that the application fee is $495 and that doesn't include what you would have to pay a lawyer to help you fill that out. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it meant using my skill, my artwork Mm -hmm. and the resources that i had to raise that money Mm -hmm. for a few of my students and so i did a fundraiser on social media and i honestly i was not expecting the support that i received and so i posted on instagram and i said hey if you donate 20 dollars or more i will send you one of my stickers the monarch butterfly stickers that says here to stay on it and i you know i was hoping I was aiming for five being able to cover five students so that's about $2,500. Mm-hmm. And I was um hoping I would at least raise money enough money for one. Yeah. And I was able to raise enough money for those five students within a week. Wow. Just through social media and yeah. people people sending me money to to my Venmo yeah. and my PayPal like that requires a lot of trust and so yeah. I realized that I I really do have You know, a very supportive community that has my back and that they trust me and my work. Yeah. And so that was one way. And then I think um, now, most recently partnering up with organizations like Asian Americans Advancing Justice Atlanta and doing the same sort of Mm -hmm. thing where people can donate and receive one of the stickers. And so if you know, if it's something that I have that I can use to encourage people to um, to give back, then I'm going to use it, whether it's my mural, whether it's a sticker, whether it's a print, whether it's um, yeah. people coming together and making butterflies for a march, you know, um, which was also a collaboration with Asian Americans Advancing Justice. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, all the organizations that were planning that Families Belong Together March also, you know, oh. helped me host that and helped me um, with the the cost of the materials and so yeah I mean well we want we want to
0: offer to our listeners a chance to do two things one would just be to see your work um mm-hmm. yeah and then the second would we would really we've we've personally been involved Ruthie and I and we're just we think our listeners uh who are moved by this story should be so uh, where can people go to participate if they want to chip in, if they want to help? Is there a good way to do that right now?
2: Yeah. So um, nationally, there are organizations that are providing this kind of support. So the dream dot. I said it wrong again. Well, okay, that's fine. That's sorry. All I've all been right. working with the dream dot U.S. a lot because of the scholarships. It's yeah. The we dream. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. Okay. Can I just answer? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Totally. So there are definitely national organizations that are helping uh, do this kind of work. So United We Dream is an organization that provides assistance to DACA recipients and is always, um, you know, pushing for protection for undocumented youth and undocumented mm. uh, families in general. So that I think that's one of the biggest. Organizations that you can just follow on social media and get, mm-hmm. you know, sign up for their new, their newsletters and stay updated. Yeah. As far as things here locally and my work, I, if I, there's any fundraiser that I'm working on, which I don't have one currently, but there, I know there's, there's always a need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm always looking for ways to, to give back um, and to use my artwork to do it. So if you follow me on social media, um, my Instagram is at Ycambrone. So y okay. c a m b as in boy r o n as in nancy and uh-huh. um on instagram uh, sorry on twitter it's um at yami cambrone which is at y-e-h-i-m-i-c-a-m-b-r-o-n and then on facebook it's just my first and my last name yami cambrone okay. um and so i will be sharing any efforts um through there If people want to participate. And then also I will be um, part of a mural public art project that is coming up in Atlanta that will be in collaboration with um, Wonder Root. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl Atlanta. So they are uh, working together to um, put up murals around the city that tell the story of, you know, tell the narrative. Sorry that tell the narrative of social justice and civil rights and that Mm -hmm. history that we have in Atlanta. And so they um, selected nine artists, and I think they are looking for a Mm 10th one. Um, And I'm one of the artists that they selected. So I'm hoping that we're going to be participating in community conversations throughout the next um, few months. And in the fall, we're going to be designing murals based off those conversations. And so I hope that I will be able to use that platform and that very public and national platform right yeah to elevate the stories of people who don't necessarily fit you know that that you know that dreamer narrative and and yeah. also to elevate the the narrative of our parents who you know i think are the original dreamers because yeah. it sort of feels like that narrative was kind of taken away from us by yeah. politicians in the media yeah. Yeah. and how our parents are so criminalized mm-hmm. and the blame is always placed on them. And that message is very clear to our parents and so much so that that guilt is internalized and my mom apologized to me. The day that DACA or the day after DACA was rescinded, she apologized for bringing me here. And I was like, oh my God, no. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, right? Because I, you know, even my experience being undocumented has made me the resilient person that I am. Mm -hmm. And so for her to apologize, you know, I just feel like, we need to take that narrative back and we need to show our parents that what they did was brave and that anyone in their such, in their situation Mm -hmm. would do the exact same thing to make sure that their children and their family had, you know, a a chance to survive and not just that, but to thrive and to give back. And so um, I hope that my, my murals will help elevate that narrative and remind our parents that they're yeah
0: Yeah. well we want to say thank you first for the work you do in this community it's uh Mm -hmm. you know I work with students as a as a a children's and youth pastor and then also in our neighborhood here off Beaufort Highway and many of them have been affected by your work so we're grateful for it um we're grateful that you're you're always looking at other communities who can uh, benefit from your voice and serving the next generation. So we're thankful for that. Most of all, thank you for coming to talk to us today. Yes. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. If anyone listening hears this, there's there's a sound of books in the air. We're recording, <laughs> uh, we're recording this conversation here at Atlanta Vintage mm-hmm. Books, um, right off Claremont. Um, so we encourage you to stop in the bookstore. If you shop here. Um, <clears throat> at checkout just let them know tim and ian sent you and they'll give you a little discount for your
1: oh yeah for your mm-hmm. time
0: um <laughs> please check out yami's work uh yeah. online um mm-hmm. give send a little uh donation to united yeah. we dream and read
1: a bunch of books yeah and if you can't remember a lot of what she said of where to follow her we're going to have that all on our website on the blog post we're going to have some of her artwork, probably just photos of her artwork. You should go see it in person, though. But um, yeah. and just any way you can kind of connect with with Amy and kind of read up on info about her, like the off the wall project and just other just awesome things that she's doing. We're gonna post that all there, so just easy way for you to go and click, find the links, and go and visit. So uh, we're really excited about that. Our website is whatareadingpodcast and uh, from there, not only, yeah, you'll be able to see um, Yami's work, but then also that's kind of a connecting point for our Facebook and Instagram. If you want to follow along um, in that way as well. And Please as always, yes, so. follow us. <laughs> and um, on iTunes, if you would like to uh, rate us, that would be wonderful. That's just kind of a way of uh, just getting the word out. The, the more ratings, the more reviews people have, the the more it pops up than other people's kind of feeds. When we like, get one, time. Tim's happy for like when a we week. Get, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness it just that like affirmation i just ah uh, i need that love no anyway no. <laughs> but we, we we really appreciate it It really does mean a lot because it's kind of nice i don't know a lot of times we don't we just think we're just doing i don't know yeah i want to think about who's listening it's just yeah. and like wondering like does I, I know, listen. <laughs> who cares about this yeah. but uh but it means a lot so as always we're gonna end uh with uh, a quote and uh Ian, you want to take this one away this is from
0: f scott fitzgerald This is part of the beauty, sorry, this is from F. Scott Fitzgerald. That is part of the beauty of all literature. You discover that your longings are universal longings, that you're not lonely and isolated from anyone you belong.